we started just going all over the Bible and finding verses about uh, joy. But then uh, after a little while, I felt like I wanted to set it in one place. And so for the quick listener, we've been in Second Corinthians for a while. And we'll continue there today as well. And it has the title of the, the, joy, the joy of being rebuked or the joy of repenting. And so, um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, as a humanitarian Lee other times, um, I want to thank some people who inspired this, uh, this sermon, I believe that Jesus has, but also uh, some people, old people, uh, George Whitfield, Martin Luther, Joe, Thomas Watson, Tim Keller, and other people that has inspired and encouraged uh, in this time. Uh, there's a few articles that are really good, and I would uh, like to share them with you as well, if you would like to, just to give you even uh, some more encouragement. But what we'll do first is that we will read from 2 Corinthians 7 and 8 through 16. Uh, the main focus is going to be on 8 uh, through 13. So let's read the word of the Lord. For even if I made a grief with my letter, I could not regret it. So I did regret it. For I see that it was premature. Though only for a while, as it is, I rejoice with not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repentance. For you felt you felt a body grief. So did you suffer no loss to us? For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. For we see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you. But also, what eagerness to clear yourself, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what seal, what punishment. At every point you have proven yourself innocent in the battle. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your earnestness might be revealed to you in the sight of God, therefore we are comforted. And besides our own comfort, we rejoice still more at the joy of Titus, because his spirit has been refreshed by you all. Whatever boast I made about you, I was not put to shame. But in everything we said, you were, you were true. So also our boasting before Titus has proved true. And this affection for you is even greater. And his affection for you is even greater. And remember the obedience of you all and how you received him in fear and trembling. I rejoice because I have complete confidence in you. So last week we talked about comforts, comfort in one another. And so he ends this, this, uh, this notion of how to find comfort in one another, to be able to trust one another, to be able to encourage one another, to be able to see how they perceive And so today we're talking about this passage and Paul he's written and writing a letter to the Corinthians that is not this letter but another letter. And, uh, and the people, well, he writes this funny way that first he says that I don't regret it. And then I regret it, but then I don't regret it uh, because of, he sees what the letter does. He sees and he's 
he's aggrieved that they were grieved, but he's joyful at the outcome. Because the Corinthians, they were not just grieved. They were grieved and had a godly grief that produces a repentance. And they changed. They had a longing to change. They had a longing to prove that they were not, um, uh, that they had not done wrong. And to make things right. So when we look at repentance, what is repentance and why should we even think about repentance? Why should we, why is this even encouraging? Why can there be joy in the repentance? And we see already, uh, we see Paul's kind of already, he's already getting a lot of joy out of the repentance. And you can also see how, as he looks at the last part, that, oh, it was, they were grieved, and not just grieved because they were sad about what they had done. They were grieved because of what Jesus was doing in them as they were being confused. Can somebody turn on the lights? I'm just a half time to see. Maybe I should turn on the So when we look at repentance, it's, it's acknowledging that we have wronged gaps. It's acknowledging that we can turn away from our sin to God and ask Him for forgiveness from the things we've done wrong. And so I don't, maybe some of us have the tendency to run away from God when we've done something wrong. The thing is that our sin will keep coming up, whether that's small accusations, whether that's, that's different things that stick out, but sin unrepented of will keep us in, a, in small bondage Maybe we're believing lies, maybe we're trying to cover these things up. But the only way to be truly free is to ask for forgiveness and come to God with them. So even having people point out our sin, uh, well, how does that How does it feel when some when people point out we've done something wrong? What does it feel like? Have our sin pointed out. And for us, for us, for for us, for us, for us, for us, for us, for us, So how does that feel when somebody points it out? Or going, yes! Thank you so much for pointing it out. Or is it, ah, that's not feeling very good. As you're thinking about that, I just want us to look at this. Because uh, this is, a, I think, a really, really good description of uh, what you're saying. Uh, a bigger picture of what sin looks like. Uh, my understanding of sin has often been, sin is something wrong you do, or it's something good you did do. Uh, and in the Bible, there's a, there's a notion of you're not hitting the target. Sometimes we think that, well, what is, okay, I understand the picture, but what does that really mean? And so, John Piper, has this, uh, where he kind of spells out different ways that we, we are, we can sin, and how we sin. And maybe sometimes we're not even aware. Either I need glasses, or I just need to go through yourself. So it starts like this. 
It's when the glory of God is not honored. When the holiness of God is not revered. When the greatness of God is not admired. When the power of God is not praised. When the truth of God is not sought. When the wisdom of God is not esteemed. The beauty of God not treasured. The goodness of God not savored. The faithfulness of God not trusted. The commandments of God not obeyed. The justice of God not respected. The wrath of God not feared. The grace of God not cherished. The presence of God not prized. The person of God not loved. That is sin. And so what does it feel like to be asked when somebody confronts us with our sin. I just, I translated it into the Danish area. You want to sell it to your kids as well. Um, there's, different, there's different responses. One response is, I have an innocence. Somebody comes and says, you've done something wrong, your sin's like, no, I didn't do it. I have never sinned, I have never sinned in my life. Uh, there is no sin in me. Well, then, first uh, John calls you a liar. <laughs> that's, that, that's not true. Um, There's a different response, which I might have talked about before, and, and I get, ooh, I get a little bit, ooh, I get a little bit nervous on people's behalf, because I think it proves that they don't understand uh, who Jesus is. And what he's talking about. People will say like this, and oh, sorry, I I, I, I jumped. Well, I'll, I'll take the demo this one first. Um, they would say, kind of like a holy answer, they would say, and they might even call them believers to say they're relig religious. They would say, well, you know, I don't regret anything I've ever done. And you know why? Because God used it for the person that I am today. And it, it sounds so good, but man, you're telling me you never did anything wrong? And you're not sad about everything you did? That does not sound like with the list we just went through. That you've never belittled God. You have never... <laughs> You have never not esteemed God, you have never not treasured God. Did you, did you never make any mistakes and there's nothing you regret? I think that proves you don't understand the gospel that you need to save. So you can have that answer sometimes. You can also have the you can also have the uh, Yeah, that's the, the other one we talk about. I have no regrets because I did it anyway. And uh, you can't tell me what to do, and uh, you can't judge me, and all those things. Um, both of those responses, the one with the one, I have no sin. Now, I think our responses that are opposites to what Paul is looking for and gets in the Corinthians, or he's looking for people to, to be sorry, to, to repent, because they see what they've done against God and against people. 
breaking both of those commandments, Joseph said earlier that they haven't loved God, loved God with all their heart, sight, and soul, and they haven't loved their neighbor that way either. When, when, when people do that, or when we do that, we show worldly sorrow. We, and then sometimes you, you see, see that on TV when some famous person, a politician, a sports person, or somebody, they get caught doing something they shouldn't have done. They get caught saying something on social media they shouldn't have done, or they get caught cheating on their spouses, or whatever, they invest the money or something. They all come out and say, I am so, so sorry. But that's worldly sorrow. Because that's, I'm sorry for the actions that I've done. I'm not sorry about offending God, and I'm sorry I got caught. I'm sorry you got upset when I called you all those things, but I'm not sorry that I offended God by calling you those things because you're made in the image of God. I'm sorry that you're crying, but I'm not really sorry for the things I caused. So that's not repenting. That's being forced to say you're sorry. And so that is what the world is sorry about. Will is sorry that we be sorry about the consequences of what we've done. But we, but we haven't come to a place where we see that we've ascended God. And we need to change our hearts. That we have a God agreement. The God agreement is that when we understand that we have something against God. And we show our sorrow and repentance. And, and as Paul says in the verse, that repenting leads to salvation and freedom. We're not trying to bury all our sin. We're taking it out and bringing it to God and saying, I am sorry. And then first John says, He is just and righteous to forgive us from our sin when we confess it. And in that we can walk in freedom and joy of Christ. There's one of the articles where it's a Tim Killer writes about um, a life of uh, repentance. He talks about how to use a thesis of the whole life of Christians should be all repentance. And he talks about the notion of all religions, uh, religious repentance is about making sure God would answer our prayers and things. But for my Christian, it's asking God to help us cultivate a joy in Christ that we don't, that we want not to sin. So it's it's tapping into the relationship we have with Jesus and not trying to appease God, but knowing that God has made the sacrifice. And we're asking for a changed heart, not for a restored relationship, if we believe that Jesus has restored that. And not to get and not to get God's stuff, but to get his relationship. And you see in the uh, we see I'll just go through this, but we see in the text what's happened there. So this is some of the things you can feel. You can feel painful, you can feel feel like you're being hurt, you feel shameful, guilty, you feel angry, you feel condemned, embarrassed, and so. Um, oh, that's where it's right, right there. It's important to consider how the gospel affects and transforms the act of repentance. 
In religion, the purpose of repentance is basically to keep God happy so that He'll continue to bless you and answer your prayers. This means that religious, religious repentance is selfish, self-righteous, and bitter all the way to the bottom. But in the gospel, the purpose of repentance is to repeatedly tap into the joy of our union of Christ in order to weaken our need for anything contrary to God's heart. See, that was a lot better to me. So that's, that's the difference. And then all of a sudden, something different happens. Then we can repentance feel love for more, or somebody pointing out a sin, we can feel loved, we can feel cared for, we can feel valued, we can feel known, we can feel set free, we can be comforted, we can be motivated, and we can be joyful. Why can we do that? Well, back to the text that we see. Then we see what Paul says. For the godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without repentance. So they are not there's a change in the Corinthians. They're, 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 uh, they're repenting and there's no regretting anymore. It's the opposite of the worldly grief that produces death. It produces an earnestness in the Corinthians. It, an eagerness to clear themselves, to, do, to, to repent and do what was right. Through that indignation and fear and longing, they all of a sudden they also had seal to return. To return also. And then we see there in the verse, in all that, in their repentance, they proved themselves to be innocent. And that they had fought well with other people saying bad things that we think the rumors are saying bad things about who Paul is and trusting other people. So then, that's why he's not regretting what he's done, what he says to him. And he said, um, he says, he says, well, why does he write? He writes to them, not just for correcting the one they did wrong, or the one that was wrong. No, he's, he's, he's going after their hearts that they, uh, in the 12, but in order that your earnestly, earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the side of God. That all this pointing out of the sin, encouraging them to repent, was for the good of them, that they could see how much that they loved and served through Paul. And that brings Paul great comfort. And then we have the rest of the part where he also talks about the way they treated Titus when he was there, how they would, with fear welcomed how they encouraged them, how to Titus is uh, hard for them also. So through this act of pointing out their sin and having them have God and grief, they built up their relationship with one another as they turned to God to repent from what they had done wrong. And then there's great comfort in their relationship. So basically what Paul has done as he's helped the Corinthians become more like Christ. Then back to the part where, well, how is it that that the question we had before most of the time 
What happens when somebody pumps out our sin? We feel all these things. But what if we change our minds and feel this way? What if when we speak the truth and love to one another, we know that when somebody comes in love, it's because we love one another, it's because we care for one another. And I know it's not easy. It's not like my, I myself would just be rejoicing greatly when somebody points out something I do wrong. But also when we are believers and our deepest desires really follow Jesus and become more like him. And I think it takes even a lot of courage to love one another enough to do this, but also to love one another enough to receive this. And this is not, um, we try, I try to say it in our family, we want to be a family where we encourage one another. That doesn't mean that we don't help each other when we do something wrong. But we are a place where it's safe and it's a place where we want to encourage each other closer to God. So whatever we do, and that's also what we see in church discipline, it's always to build each other up. It's never to keep people down. It's always to lift each other higher, not to put each other down. To lift each other higher, we want, we want growth. Just like it's almost that we want people to be closer to one another. One of the beautiful verses in the Bible is when it talks about speaking the truth in love, it talks about how then God will build his church up in love. So as, as we mature as a fellowship, speaking the truth in love is a sign of maturity that we would grow up into Christ. And that he would actually be, that as we grow and care for one another, loving and helping each other to be more like him, then we would also grow in maturity and into crisis. The thing is that I was encouraged by some of those articles is, well, how, should, how, how does this even work? Because after a long day, I would be like, well, in theory, I know I every day do something wrong, but I'm not necessarily spending a lot of time repenting. Um, uh, the one guy, one of the guys that came remember his name, he had like three questions he would ask. Another one would be said like a whole article. But I'm thinking, I was thinking on the way here, what if I would just go through this list? Maybe once a day. Asking the Holy Spirit to, to say, okay, Lord, the day is over now. I ask you to reveal the things that where I have offended you today and just repent from those things and bring them back. We can even do that if to God but also to other people. Have I spoken harshly or given too much criticism from all people to other people? Have I been overbearing? And so there are there are different ways we can do this and encourage one. We can always say, well, I don't really have time. I don't really have time for that. Um, we try to do it when we have communion for ourselves and to God. To just examine, is there anything in my relationship with God that needs to let down before I go do this? 
I'm just wondering that maybe like Paul, encouraging one another and also having that time regularly asking the Lord to reveal things that we should we should repent of. And I think there's the part that I think is so encouraging in this whole story is that they become more like Jesus and they set free from the things that was accused of I don't know, I think maybe it's a maybe it's a maybe it's a maybe it's a practice I never really have fully taken into my Christian life. But I think maybe there's a lot there that can form us all into the life of Christ. In the, in some in some churches it's forced to have to do this. It, I don't think it's supposed to be forced, but something that we want to have. Because our hearts and longing is to become more like Christ. So one of them, one of them is to examine ourselves, but also actually receive when a brother or sister comes with some concern. So what is the joy of repenting? Well, the joy of repenting is you receiving either when the Holy Spirit or brother or sister comes with something. And we look at it and say, you're right. Bring that to God. Being reminded about the gospel that Jesus had that for that. That I don't have to hold that. I don't have to hide it. I don't have to take it away. But bring it to God and say, here. I want to give that to you. What's that do is that you don't have to bear it anymore. You don't have to listen to it anymore. You are set free. I think we're back to this one. That the God of repentance is to tap into the joy that we have in Christ to form our hearts so we become more like Jesus. The joy of repenting is to be so free in the grace of God to become more like Jesus. So that's the encouragement I have for you guys today from Corinthians and uh, yeah, so uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today and thank you for the privilege that we're able to meet. Um, Lord Jesus, thank you for making all this possible. Thank you that even in repentance and even some, some people pointing things out that we do wrong can be something good. When we understand we don't have to be ashamed or painful about it, but we can bring it to you and, and bring it to you, Christ, to Jesus, because we trust in you. And of your leaders. Trust that you lived, you died, you rose again, you ascended, and you're coming back. Took away the dividing wall, wrath of God, made us able to stand in, his, in your presence, God. Lord, I really pray that you just reveal things where we trusted in our eyes, and we trusted in different things, and we bury the things that we do wrong. 
uh, loading up a list of many things of how we can be um, offending you, even though just by being indifferent of how good you are. Um, Lord, I pray that you would sharpen us and mold us uh, to love you more, to understand how much we have in you, Jesus, that it's so valuable. And all the energy and joy comes from understanding how much you can. That we don't have to be religious, religiously trying to hide what we look like. We're coming to you honestly, asking for power to repent, asking for joy to worship you. Lord, well, pray for all of us here. You would encourage our hearts and minds to continue in the joy that you have given us. May that be to the praise and honor of your glory in whatever we do. We thank you, Jesus.